there's something curious about this broadcast. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Commence episode now. All systems remain nominal. Nominal, nominal, nominal. Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. Well, it's the beginning of November, which usually means I'm joined by Ross Hockham from UK Astronomy. But unfortunately, due to tight schedules, this is proving difficult to organise us getting together. So, um, I am flying solo at the moment. But that doesn't mean we're not bringing you the Sky Guide because Ross has kindly pre-recorded something for us and I'll be playing that into the show in just a moment. We've also got something special lined up at the latter part of the show as well. Hopefully you'll enjoy what we've got for you. So I'll stop rambling on and we'll take a short break and then when we come back, Ross will be with us for the November Sky Guide. If you could put on a special pair of glasses and look up into the night sky, you would see something amazing. A sky full of exoplanets, planets orbiting stars beyond our own solar system. A team of superhero space telescopes, in a sense, has done just that. Using powerful technology, they've peered into space, discovering thousands of these distant planets and unveiling their secrets. The first exoplanet discoveries were very down to earth. They were made from the ground. Pioneering new techniques, ground-based telescopes began capturing evidence of giant, scorchingly hot planets around other stars. But to see exoplanets more clearly, including small rocky worlds like our own, telescopes needed a boost. We began launching them into space, lifting them above Earth's atmosphere. This superhero team of space telescopes, Hubble, Chandra, Spitzer, Kepler, and Tess, were free from all the noise and interference from Earth's atmosphere, jittering air molecules, scattering light, clouds, and moisture. And the curtain parted on a galaxy crowded with exoplanets, giant ones, tiny ones, rocky and gaseous, deep frozen and superheated, planets with two or three suns, super Earths, mini Neptunes, and worlds that were just plain weird, like nothing we had ever seen before. And now, a new marvel of technology joins NASA's team, the James Webb Space Telescope. Its infrared vision can peer into the atmospheres of exoplanets, expanding what we know about distant worlds. High on the list of odd exoplanets to observe is a terrifying place where it might rain glass sideways. This exoplanet is called HD 189733b, and it's a hot Jupiter, a giant gaseous world that hugs its star in such a tight orbit that its temperature is more than 1,700 degrees Fahrenheit. Its winds howl at more than 5,400 miles per hour. 
HD 189733b has been a favorite target of our space telescopes. Spitzer measured its temperature and winds. Hubble discovered that the planet's clouds are deep blue due to the raining glass or silicates. And Chandra observed its star in X-rays, watching the planet's shadow as it passed in front of the star. A much larger shadow than previously thought because huge amounts of the planet's atmosphere are evaporating into space. NASA's next great observatory, the James Webb Space Telescope, will also turn its supervision on HD 189733b. Like Spitzer, it sees in powerful infrared light, but Webb's vision will penetrate far more deeply into this planet's atmosphere and others than ever before. What will it find? Put it all together and it's a super team. Extraordinary telescopes, exceptional vision, and mind-expanding exoplanet discoveries. On canvas with paint in the artist's school, it is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more, and what is in sight? Behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. This is TGP Nominal. Welcome back to TGP Nominal. As I promised before the break, Ross Hockham from UK Astronomy will be with us to tell us about what's going on in the skies in November. So, Ross, what have you got for us? So the planets this month, we're actually moving closer to the red planet Mars in our orbit. So it's actually going to be at opposition next month, and it's going to be at its best. You still get some good views this month, so it's definitely worth going out and having a look at the red planet. Uh, it's currently above the constellation Orion, which is a really easy find due to its belt of three blue stars. Just be careful not to mistake the red giant star Betelgeuse for the planet itself, because it is red and it is quite bright. So it'll be just above Orion itself. Orion, I believe, rises up a little bit later at the moment. So you might have to wait until maybe about 11-ish for it to be at its best, but definitely worth popping out and having a look. Jupiter and Saturn are still up for us to see. Jupiter is still really the dominant, really good planet at the moment to look at. Even though we're moving away from them both in orbit, they're still really dominant and they're really cool to see. Saturn is kind of slightly fainter, and just kind of to the right of the gas giant itself. A little yellow dot compared to the big, white, bright Jupiter. Now, although we're gradually shifting away from them, as I said, in orbit, they're still really easily visible. You can't actually mistake and you, you know, you'll be able to see them really, really well. You can get some great views still through your telescopes. So if you've got one, have a little look, have a look with some binoculars, you'll see Jupiter and his four moons. Saturn, you just make out its rings as well, even at the moment. So get out there, because it's probably the last couple of months where we get to see them. Uranus is reaching opposition this month, meaning it's actually gonna be at its best. So the best planet to see apparently is Uranus. Although it is gonna be quite hard to find. It's to the right of the bright star cluster, the Pleiades, below Aries, the constellation, but is kind of in the middle of nowhere. So it is difficult to actually get to. So you have to do some star hopping and stuff like that. So unfortunately, they're the most planets you can see at the moment. I say unfortunately, there's still quite a few cool ones to see. So I would say, try and see Uranus at the moment. This, this month is your best. Just try and find it. Still makes me laugh. So the highlights of the month. These are sort of bits and bobs that I've read in magazines and things that I've looked up and thought, oh, that'd be quite cool to see this month. So on the 5th, you get to watch Jupiter go over the moon. So you've heard about the cow jumping over the moon. If you watch Jupiter throughout the night into the morning, 
you're actually going to see that it's going to lie to the moon's left at first as the sun sets then as the night goes on Jupiter's going to slowly seem to sort of move up and over the top of the moon and then being down towards its right by 2am so about 8pm it should be above it 2am to its right hand side and that's the way the sort of earth is moving and the way the sky moves as we turn might be a good time lapse or something like that if you've got a camera pop it there and see if you can get a line maybe going over the moon on the 6th the next day back to jupiter and you're going to watch one of its moons actually appear out of the planet's shadow so ganymede is going to merge from jupiter's shadow around about 4 49 pm so it's kind of almost during the day but hopefully because the clocks have gone back now and everything like that it will be dark enough for us to see and you'll see there's nothing there and then suddenly the little moon's just going to pop out from the left hand side do remember if you have like reflectors and stuff like that they can flip the image around and upside down so keep an eye on both sides and you should see this moon just appear from nowhere Moving on to the 7th, now the dwarf planet says actually passes through the constellation Leo this month. So as the month goes on, it's passing through Leo, which is a lion. It's going to pass the Leo triplet of galaxies. It's going to pass quite close to uh, the galaxy called NGC 3628. And it's going to go actually between this galaxy at the top and the two below it. Might make a good picture, time lapse, things like that. Pop out, have a look. On the 8th, it's November full moon and it's rising about 20 past 4 known as the beaver moon what? yeah although there does seem to be some disagreement over the origin of its name some say it comes from the native americans setting beaver traps during this month to obviously get you know some meat and that for the winter while others say the name actually comes from the uh, more active time when beavers build their winter dams another name for it is the frost moon which makes sense because you know we're moving into winter now and we get frost that's probably the british term to be fair because we're we're very simple it's frosty frost moon done Moving on to the ninth, this is when Uranus actually reaches its full opposition. No giggling. Aww. You will need a bit of a skilled star hopper to find it. It's going to be like a pale blue blob really in a telescope. When you're looking through the eyepiece, it won't be twinkling like the other stars surrounding it. It may be around the same size if we're lucky. Hopefully you might see the actual roundness of it and the slightly light blue sort of colour of it. It's really cool to see. It's like a marble floating in space. So if you can, definitely pop out and see if you can find it this month, because as I said, it's probably the best time to see. We move on to the 10th. Now, this morning, Europa and Ganymede, which are Jupiter's moons, they're actually going to both transit the planet. They'll both be transiting at 12.19am until 1.38am, with Europa's shadow then joining them at 1.05. So at 1.05, you're going to have all of that happening at the same time. Now, remember, I've said the 10th, but it's going to encroach from the 9th into the 10th. So make sure you're out the 9th, stay up until, you know, 20 minutes past 12 on the 10th, and then you should get to see these cool things. Right on to Mars for the 11th. It's not far from the morning moon. So it's going to be closest around about 5am to it. The moon's going to be to the bottom right of the red planet. So for people that haven't found the red planet or haven't seen Mars, it's a great signpost today to actually find the God of War who's nearing his best in December when he's going to be at opposition. So it's still worth a look. With binoculars, you probably won't make out any detail at all. It'll just be like a red blob. But it'll still be cool to see. With a telescope, they're saying that you will be able to make out the dark and light red patches and darker patches. Maybe the ice caps, if we're there, hopefully, they might be out to see. So have a peek. If not, next month's best for it. Comic-Cons and gaming. 
Now on the 12th, we have the Northern Torrid Meteor Shower, and it's peaking, although only at around five per hour, so not that many. But it does have quite a broad peak, and they say that the meteors look to sort of burn slowly across the sky, making these cool bright streaks and leaving trails after them. So just to the right of the bright cluster of the Pleiades, that's where they're going to kind of radiate from. So if you find a big bright cluster Pleiades, which is in Taurus, just to the right of that, that's where they're going to be coming from and going up and over the sky, hopefully. They're caused by debris left over from a comet, which orbits the sun every 3.3 years. So most of the meteor showers we see are actually made by comets, but one or two are actually asteroids that are giving off a load of dust and that that we go through. Now, if you miss that or it's cloudy, don't worry. On the 17th, you've got another meteor shower peaking, and that's the Leonids, which is in Leo. Unfortunately, with this one, the moon is going to be in the way. These meteors are associated with a comet called Temple Tuttle, which are two guys who actually found it. And they're going to be radiating from Leo the Lion. Uh, said to have about, I think it's about 15, something like that per hour, something 15, 20 maybe. But they do have meteor storms every 33 years or so. Now, I'm not sure when the last one was, but they say that once in a while you go through a dense area and you just get a ton of meteors come flying through the sky. So who knows, you might go out and see them, fingers crossed. Now, Leo, unfortunately, doesn't rise properly until around about 2 a.m., with the meteors themselves radiating from around Leo the lion's head. So have a look there. So it's going to be an early morning one, probably 2 to 4 a.m. is your best bet, maybe 5. Go out and have a look, see if you see all these meteors coming from the lion's head. On the 18th, the moon is at a good liberation. What that means is, as the moon kind of orbits us and goes around, it slightly wobbles around as well. So sometimes it wobbles and shows these sort of edges of the moon, and that's liberation. A certain liberation today where we can see this uh, mare called orientale now over the next few days it's going to be there so don't panic if you don't see it today it was actually formed by an impact of a like an asteroid sized object which made these ripples in the lunar crust resulting in these sort of like free circular features sadly from our side of view that we look on it we don't really get to see the actual rings of the mountains that were made by this we just kind of see lines and bits on the edges. So it's on the edge of the moon, so the left-hand side of the moon. That's not for a telescope, so remember they can kind of flip it. Have a look there, and you'll see this kind of like edge on Mare there, and maybe a few little lines where it's been hit by this uh, asteroid. Same day, but this time, five minutes past 11 until quarter past 12. Callisto, Jupiter's moon, is actually going to pass near the top of Jupiter. So if you've got a reflector, it may be the bottom instead, so keep an eye on that. So you've got a little while to have a look there, and it's a great chance for maybe a cool pick. So you're going to see the moon be directly above or below the actual planet, depending on what scope or equipment you're using. So hopefully someone will get a snap of that, because that would be great to see. I'd like to see that. Now on the 20th, Ganymede is actually going to be occulted by the planet Jupiter at 5.27pm. And as with uh, Europa's shadow, it's also going to be moving across the planet. So you can watch a moon slip behind a planet whilst another moon's shadow is transiting across the face of it. And that's a really cool thing to see. It'd be really great. 23rd now today is the new moon meaning we've got a few days before and after this date where the moon is going to be completely out of the way so it's time to get those binoculars and scopes out and look for those nebula galaxies and fainter star objects orion's coming up at the moment past midnight great orion nebula there well worth a peek if you can see if you can see it there's also if you've got binoculars where beetlejuice is on his shoulder just above that by his elbow there's actually the number 37 written in stars so get some binoculars out and see if you can spot them 
We move now on to the 27th. There's going to be a repeat of what happened on the 20th. There's going to be another occult and another shadow transit happening at 9.08 p.m. So if you missed it or it was cloudy, don't fret. You've got another chance tonight to pop out and see it. See if you can get out there and have a look. Now on to the 29th. Last but not least, a waxing moon is not going to be far from Saturn this evening. So pop out just as the sun sets, have a look out there, maybe grab a cup of tea and stand out there and spot the ring planet just slightly to the right of the crescent moon. A really cool sight for the evening. You'll also have Jupiter up there and if you wait till later on you'll have Mars peaking up as well. So that is everything for this month. I hope you get out to see it all. So good luck. And remember guys, there's a billion worlds in your back garden. Thanks for taking time out to do that for us, Ross. Now, if you visit the show notes for this episode, there is an in-depth version of what Ross was going on about with links to the bits and pieces he was talking about, the different moons and planets and all kinds of stuff on there. There's also diagrams for all the different uh, regions in the solar system that he was talking about. So I think it's time we took another short break. And when we come back, there'll be a voice that is quite familiar to you if you're a regular listener. by nature, explorers. The same curiosity that sends us to the stars at the speed of thought urges us to go there in reality. And whenever we make a great new leap, we elevate humanity, bring people and nations together, Usher new discoveries and new technologies. So remember to look up at the stars and not down at your feet. Be curious. Welcome back to TGP Nominal. On the 25th of October, there was a special event that took place. An event meaning something celestial that was going on in the skies. And our friend and honorary crew member, Will Photography, was conducting a live stream of the event that was taking place. So, without further ado, take it away, Will. So we're just looking at the partial solar eclipse here. This is a, uh, a beautiful alignment of having the moon in front of us, just being in the way, just getting in the way of the sun, if you like. Because the, the moon's orbit around the Earth is inclined at five degrees, we don't always have a solar eclipse every month because the moon is obviously orbiting around the Earth. And you would think, well, if everything was in a proper alignment, then you would have a total eclipse every month and you have a lunar eclipse every month but we don't because like I said of this five degree difference so sometimes it just lines up perfectly and we get a total eclipse sometimes we just get a partial eclipse and this is one of those instances and yes it looks 
the same size to us, but the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun, that when a total eclipse occurs, there's always a, a, only a small corridor on Earth, typically 30 or 50 miles or something, where you have to be on that position in Earth to be able to see this total eclipse. And then everyone else would see a partial eclipse. And that's why today, not everyone around the world is able to experience this. Here in the northeast of England, the maximum point, 20% of the sun will be obscured. And the, the best locations are in northern Europe, northeast Europe. That's where you're getting up to 80%. And remember, all of this is just through, it's just about line of sight, you know. I guess you could be anywhere in the solar system and you can always be, have the sun obs obscured uh, by a moon or a planet. And a lot of people always think, you know, why is it that um, the moon, even though it's so much smaller than the sun, can obscure the sun during an eclipse? Yeah, and it's actually an absolute quirk of coincidence because the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun, but it's 400 times closer for us right now at this moment. So that's why we're lucky enough to have these uh, solar eclipses. But actually, the moon is moving away from us at a rate of about four centimeters a year so eventually in about a billion years time this won't happen anymore so enjoy the eclipses while we can folks unfortunately nowhere on earth this time round will we have a total eclipse but i believe in a few weeks time there will be a lunar eclipse and this will be visible over most of Northern America and Far East, I believe, but uh, we will miss out on the lunar eclipse. I think it's just amazing, isn't it? When, you know, when we have these sort of things, because, you know, sometimes people think, right, okay, it's daytime, the sun is up, you know, nighttime, we might see the moon, but the moon is up during the day as often it is at night. And right now, the only way this could happen is when the moon is at new moon phase. And that means from the, the perspective of the geometry is the moon is at the same position where, where the sun is. Okay, that's why typically during a new moon phase, we wouldn't even see the moon here yeah, because it's obviously up during the day and none of the side that we see is illuminated because it's being illuminated from the other side. So back in the day, Astronomers and civilizations, you know, would be fascinated by things like a total solar eclipse or a, a lunar eclipse, right? Even a partial lunar eclipse, it's still be a, a thing that they would be able to see. But just imagine that back in the day when partial eclipses occurred and they didn't have the filters or anything else, they wouldn't even be aware that this was happening. So the sun is, is weird. I only, I can do it either in kilometers or miles, but the sun is 1.4 million kilometers in diameter. 1.4 million kilometers, which is something like 866,000 miles or something. Um, and the moon is only 2,100 miles in diameter. It's a massive difference, isn't it? But because the moon is so much closer to us, it's kind of like um, if a building is in front of the sun and then you don't see the sun anymore. The building is obviously a lot, lot, lot smaller. And this is actually the same thing happening. But I think what makes this so beautiful is the fact that, you know, both the moon and the sun are round. When it's a total eclipse, they just perfectly fit in front. When, when it just so happens to be right. Hey, Mark, CGP nominal. Mark, can you do me a favor, mate? Is there any chance? <laughs> it's like, could you, um, Google to find out what time the maximum eclipse is in Newcastle 
I can't quite remember. I knew that it was starting at 10.04 a.m., but I think the maximum was something like 10.57. I've got my camera with a filter on it, so I'll take a photograph with my actual camera, but it'll also be really cool to mark it on the live. So you have to use uh, proper solar filters, certified solar filters. It removes like 99.9999% of the light. So um, really important to have the right equipment, guys. It's so dangerous. You know, I remember one of the very first times I used a solar, I had a solar filter on a lens cap. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, and with a cap, you naturally take it off, right, when you're using a telescope. So I remember I was looking at the sun with the lens cap. I then was describing to someone how it works. I took the cap off and I showed them the solar filter. And no joke, guys, within seconds, the uh, the telescope literally came alight. It, the, 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 the sun's rays went through the mirror, bounced back the second mirror, came through the eyepiece and started melting the eyepiece in seconds. So we can do that in seconds. Can you imagine if you looked at it without a filter through a telescope, your eyes be finished. So that isn't a warning. Hopefully that is enough to scare you all never ever to do it. I'm Chris Lintot and you're listening to TGP Nominal. Hey, are you all right? Do you want to have a look? Just there's a there's a partial solar eclipse. I'm just streaming live at the moment, but in about five minutes. So I'm just projecting the sun on the foot. So there's the sun. And there's the moon. Yeah. So you can, no, no, don't look at it directly. Oh, don't look right. at it. Yeah. Wow. So you you need these filters. Oh, right. Otherwise, you know, there's no there's no chance. Because actually, as I was saying, most people will not be aware this is happening. No. Because no idea. It hasn't got any darker. Oh, that's but, fantastic. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm streaming as a as a few hundred folks around yeah. the world watching. watching. But, um, wow. but yeah, we're really lucky with the uh, the clouds because I was really concerned because I thought oh, I'm gonna have to drive somewhere. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because if you've got cloud, obviously, oh, yeah. then you you need to get an area where yeah. there's no cloud. Yeah. And it's a big challenge because, like you know, when there is a bit of cloud, mm -hmm. you still see the sun. But because I'm using filters. It has to be almost, almost clear, clear. otherwise yeah. it won't come through. Oh, that's so, so yeah, really lucky. But in three minutes, four minutes is maximum. It, it, so it'll hit twenty percent. Wow. That, for us, it's, so it's a partial eclipse. Right. But uh -huh. um, still oh, pretty that cool. Is isn't fantastic. It? Yeah. And this yeah. bit of equipment. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's just from work. Skywatcher. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's <clears> a cool little what we call Dobsonian scope. But I, yeah. I run stargazing events in Northumberland. All right. And uh, last night, when like, I finished my event, I was like, right, I'm grabbing the scopes back. I didn't <laughs> fancy driving all the way there, you know, for, for a day yeah. event. And then, oh, that's but yeah, yeah, but yeah, we're about three minutes away. I think this is, is one of those things I was saying that unless you had the solar filters. Because there's, there's no impact on the light. It's still as bright. Yeah, it's still, it, you know? yeah, it's not like it's, it's yeah. getting darker yeah. or anything. It's not changing at all, is it? Yeah. Oh, that is amazing. Absolutely. And then after, so will it progress across or will it come back so, down again? So yeah, will I was thinking come? about this. So because it only hits 20, it's actually kind of like just like doing this. Just, right, you know, so it's curved, over. right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, right. I was like thinking, oh, it's just going to keep doing this. Yeah. But actually, what well, if it did keep doing that, it would be a... It would be a full would, of, Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So it's just, it's just it's brushing just aside. aside. And it just so happens, like I said, in two minutes. How? How do you find out this is happening? Where, who gives you the um, information? You to, can, 
Yeah, so obviously, I mean, it's my job, you know, in astronomy, but um, you can always, you know, check, like, that apparently is on the news. Yeah. But, but a lot of these things, they only tell you either on the day, yeah. you know, or it's happened. Oh, it's happened. Yeah, so, normally, that's you know, what I see. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. when we had the red moon. Yeah. Yeah. And they told me the day after, and I'm like, right. well, I want to see it. How can I see it now when it's, it's in the past? It's crazy. I know, but it's weird, actually, because I, I thought, I mean, I only gave everyone a day's notice from, from my page, but yeah. other people have been telling everyone, like, a week in advance. Really? But, yeah, but I, I do find, like, a week is actually quite a long time. People go, oh, it's a week. All right, and I'll wait for a week, you know? Yeah. And then they forget. So the, 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 A day or two days. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Jeff, have you seen this? So yeah, we're <clears throat> yeah we're one minute away now. So one minute from the maximum. Okay, guys, we're a minute away from maximum. Hit twenty percent. There we are. We're we're a maximum now, guys. Maximum, yeah. Maximum for us here in northeast England. So it will be different times. So again, we've got a proper filter on there. Oh wow! But, um, that looks yeah, brilliant. But it's actually, obviously it's flipped because telescopes, this telescope uses a mirror, like most big scopes use mirrors. Right. So it's just like looking at a mirror, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, just flipped. it's the opposite to what so, it is. Yeah. So yeah, I've had a few people say, how come it's upside down? I'm like, there is no, there is no upside down in space. So guys, we're past the moment where it reaches 20% and then from now it will start to just move across. And um, in about an hour's time, the eclipse will have ended. These sort of things are rare, you know, it's approximately every two years you get a total eclipse. And uh, somewhere on Earth, all right, so there are no guarantees that wherever you live, are you going to experience a total eclipse um, in your lifetime. And uh, certainly in the UK, there will not be a, another total eclipse for a long, long time. And uh, I don't know, I think over 100 years time or something, I, I need to check, but certainly uh, we, we won't unfortunately be able to experience one um, again in the UK. However, for the folks in Europe, there's a, a really decent one coming up in 2026, August the 13th, 2026. And then um, North America is April the 8th, 2024. But now and again, you do have the moon slightly obscuring the sun. This is where we get these uh, partial eclipses. And... As I was saying that, you know, you would think that the diagram of the sun, the moon and the earth, that every month, every time the moon is in front of the sun, we would get an eclipse every single orbit. But we don't because the orbit of the moon around the earth is actually slightly sloped at five degrees. That's what we call an incline of five degrees. So sometimes it might just be just above the sun. Sometimes it's just below the sun. And today, it's just a little bit in front of the sun. 1999, there was one in the UK. And uh, 2017, there was one in America. 68 years time, guys, for the next uh, eclipse in the UK. Okay, folks, I think I'm going to call it a day now. Um, I hope you have enjoyed the live. Be lots of fun. Just quick remember, do not look at the sun directly. And looking forward to doing some more solar eclipse lives over the next 10 years. So um, certainly April the 8th, 2024, next total eclipse, which I feel hopefully we part of. But 
for now, folks. Thank you for joining me and uh, thank you for your support. Have a lovely day. Take care. See you all later. So once again, thanks, Will, for allowing us to use the audio from your live stream. There will be a bit more information uh, about eclipses and uh, when the next ones are coming up and all kinds of information there in the show notes. And uh, you can find out where to get to the show notes at the end of the show. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Well, normally at this point, I would say, so Ross. <laughs> or so John. As I said, I'm on my Todd at the moment. So, um, so Mark. <laughs> so it's the end of the show and... I just want to tell you what's going on at the moment. As I said at the beginning of the show, it's a bit difficult to get people together at the moment because conflicting schedules and all that kind of stuff, which means there's a lot more pre-recorded things going on within the show. I'm hoping to change things around a bit in the new year. Obviously, we've got another Sky Guide coming before the end of the year, and then we've got our TGP Nominal Stroke Garbage Pod Christmas crossover, which I'm looking forward to. We've got a lot to plan to get that out the door, which will hopefully be launching on the 24th of December. So, watch this space. So that leaves me with the, the thing I always say at the end of each show, and that is, take care one and all. Thanks for listening. And I'll speak to you all again real soon. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.